I was living a lie. I was living a lie where I was always chasing all the other guys that did better. I was living a lie where I was selling products that I don't think were in the best interest of the clients, but it's what my brokerage told me to do. And because of that, I was also in a weird tailspin in my life where I was, I was failing a lot. I'd make a bunch of money. I made hundreds of thousands of dollars in Wall Street. And if it wasn't for me getting into real estate in 2006, I don't know where I would have tail, I don't know where the tailspin would have went, but I'd make a bunch, I'd live up to that means, and I'd lose it all. Chris Noggle, hey man, welcome to the Man of War podcast. It's an honor to have you on here. Yeah, it's an honor and a privilege. Thanks for having me on. Awesome, brother. Now, listen, uh, you're the money guy. All right. So what we're going to do here is I'm going to let you introduce yourself to our audience. And, uh, you know, more importantly, what I want to do here is there's been a lot of talk about the truth about money over the last few years. And I kind of I kind of want to focus this podcast on wiping out, you know, that bullshit mentality. I want to be able to bring that to the table. Okay. Um, so first and foremost, for those who have, uh, do not follow you, can you just give me a little bit of, of who you are and what you're about? Yeah. So, you know, I'm known throughout as America's number one money mentor. I didn't come up with that name. I actually hate it, but that's kind of the name I've gotten. <laughs> and, uh, it, it's, you know, my upbringing wasn't in the money space. I didn't grow up with money. I grew up in actually a lower, lower middle-class family with an alcoholic father raised by my mom. And I, I was just a dreamer and my first dream as a kid was to be a pro snowboarder and live in Buffalo, New York. We get lots of snow, but this is not the Mecca for snowboarding. So I had to really fight and I had to do what everybody else was unwilling to do. And we didn't have the money to send me out to all the resorts. So I just, I practiced and I did a lot of things that most people would say is impossible, but it ended up in me becoming a pro snowboarder. I became an entrepreneur at the age of 16 by starting a clothing line in my mom's basement. And that wasn't because I wanted to be some wealthy entrepreneurs because I needed money to get to the hill. And the job I had degraded me so badly that I was clinically depressed at 16 years old. So the day I quit was literally the day I quit trading hours for dollars. And that's where my entrepreneur journey began. I then started a skateboard snowboard shop at the age of 17, in which Everybody in my family and everybody around me told me I shouldn't do. They actually told me to go get a job with my dad. I'm, a lot of you can probably relate. You know, it's not, it's not the, the problem in the world in, the, in America is not what we don't know. It's what we think we know that just ain't so, says Will Rogers. And that was my family. So my dad told me, don't do it. You'll waste and lose all the money. So I sent him cats in the cradle and my mother stepped up to the plate. She was the person who had nothing except for a 700 square foot house that she got in a divorce. And she put that house on the line. So their punk 17 year old skateboard, snowboard kid could chase his dream. And the, the shop that was opened is called Fat Man Board Shops. It still exists today. I sold it in 2010, but away we went. I had to grow up really fast, 17 years old. And you know, if you fail, you lose your mother's house. So a lot of the things that I, I did prior to that, the party and the, the good times were all things that ended right then and there that day. And that led me into an interesting thing. I became a pro snowboarder. I had my dream job. And then the first recession hit. And that was uh, the dot-com recession. Very quickly realized I needed to get a job. Little Caesars, which is where I first applied, they weren't hiring delivery drivers. And the only places... <laughs> yeah, the only places that even responded to my, my uh, resume that I put out, which literally said pro snowboarder and entrepreneur. That was it. I had nothing else. And I got calls from Wall Street firms. 
So I said, hey, that's cool. I watched that movie with Michael Douglas. That sounds like a cool little part-time job. So I ended mm -hmm. up in Wall Street. Well, that mm -hmm. Wall Street career ended up taking me a whole different direction. I continued to snowboard professionally, continued to run the stores, but I wore a suit every single day for 16 years of my life until I retired in 2018, when I literally was forced to take the rosy colored glasses off, you know, and I often reach back here. Let me just do this. I got these little glasses and I put them on because this is the world that I lived in with these little glasses. And for those of you listening, I just got a pair of uh, fancy red glasses on. In Wall Street, we were taught to sell. We were taught to do what they told, listen to what they said to do, and do it exactly. And if we didn't, you got fired or you got fined. So I became a proponent of what everybody uh, may or may not know, which I call the big lie. I was living a lie. I was living a lie where I was always chasing all the other guys that did better. I was living a lie where I was selling products that I don't think were in the best interest of the clients, but it's what my brokerage told me to do. And because of that, I was also in a weird tailspin in my life where I was, I was failing a lot. I'd make a bunch of money. I made hundreds of thousands of dollars in Wall Street. And if it wasn't for me getting into real estate in 2006, I don't know where I would have tail, I don't know where the tailspin would have went, but I'd make a bunch. I'd live up to that means and I'd lose it all. I lost it all in 2008. I lost it all in 2014. I spun into some of the hardest times of my life. And it was not because of being bad at saving money. It was not because of being bad at investing. It was because I was following a system that is designed to fail 100% of the time. Fast forward to today, I met some very wealthy, incredibly wealthy individuals that became mentors. And when I started talking to them in the capacities of money, like I would my clients, I learned that they did things the complete opposite of everything I was taught to do in Wall Street. And I started to have, I started thinking either they're right or, or yeah, or, you know, what I'm learning in Wall Street is right. I had mm -hmm. to make a decision. So mm -hmm. there came a day where I literally said, you know what, I'm going to dive in. And I started following around multimillionaires and billionaires, I started spending money that I didn't have to go to masterminds that I knew one or two billionaires would be at. And I went solely for one selfish reason, and that was to learn the truth. And I shit you not, what I learned from these wealthy individuals is what's changed my entire life, which has allowed me to help tens of thousands of people change their financial futures. And it's not because of a product. It's not because of some great idea. It's because of changing just one thing. And that was where my money went first. And there's a lot more to it. But the wealthy don't do what we are taught to do. The wealthy do the opposite, but yet they won't tell you. And you'll never learn this because there's no effing money in it. There is mm -hmm. no money for the advisors. The advisors actually can't sell or do what these wealthy individuals do because the mm -hmm. broker wouldn't make any money. When I started seeing this, man, I got so pissed off. I got so yeah. pissed off that for 16 years of my life, I, I, I was telling people to do things with money that the wealthy don't even do with money. And then once I figured that out, I never looked back. And it has been an amazing journey. I've literally followed this path. I work with lots of billionaires, multimillionaires, some of the most successful entrepreneurs and real estate investors in the world. And they all do the same darn thing that I was never taught to do in Wall Street. That's my story. Wow, powerful. That's a, that's a nice roller coaster, man, right there. All right. So, left, so left a lot out too. Yeah, I bet. Um, so I'm thinking now, what do you do? What are you doing right now these days? Well, I, uh, I speak a lot. 
So, you know, when the pandemic hit, I, I started, uh, I had to pivot. I was speaking on stages every single week and I went virtual. So a lot of my energy today is spent on creating content, creating material for YouTube videos and lots of free stuff that we put out via all the social media sites. And uh, now that the, the world is slowly starting to open back up, I'm, I'm on stages. I just got back from Utah. I'm out again next week to Utah. So I'm on a plane a whole lot out there just speaking on stages with some of the greats, the Ed Milets, the Jesse Itzlers, uh, I could go on, but it's not important to name drop, but uh, that's what I do. I, I teach the truth from stage. And uh, a lot of times people, you know, when they hear what I teach, the first thing they're going to say is that sounds too good to be true. And I always say, you know what? It's funny you say that because that's exactly what I said when I first heard about this. But that's what I do. And then I try to snowboard and surf. And in the summers, I skate as much as I can. And I still live my roots and I'll never change. And I, one thing I don't do is I don't put suits on anymore. Gotcha. So talking a little bit about what you feel, your experience, um, you know, based on your experience, really, why people struggle making it financially in, in our country specifically. You see, I see from, from my perspective is it's a little bit different because I'm dealing with mostly with men. OK, and um, they struggle with. I call it, I guess, the, the small vision syndrome. Okay, and it's everything they think about it since very, very small, you know, they look at guys that are driving the Ferraris and, you know, living in the $20 million homes and, and, the, and you know, riding in the jets and all that as something that, you know, that that's for those guys. That's not for me. Okay. And look, that's may not be everybody's life plan, but there are those who kind of look at it and, and, and they spit poison at it. Right. And they're, they're looking at themselves and they're saying, I can't barely put food on the table for my family. I can't lead my family. There's really no success stories in my life because everything I do, I think so small that it's literally that there's, I have no goals and no, uh, no vision, no mission going forward. So what do you tell someone that's stuck in this rut of, of you know, that small vision in their life? You know, that was a lot to unpack and I have an answer for everyone. So let me just start with the first problem. Why is it that so many people just can't get ahead? They constantly just feel like they're running on a, a hamster wheel financially. And the answer is one thing. And, and I shit you not, it right. comes down to one thing. And that is you have been lied to your entire life because you have been taught to give up control of your money. Think about it. You make money, you go out there, you have been taught to put a dollar value to your hour you're worth a hundred an hour, a thousand hour, whatever dollar value you put on your hour, that's what you've been taught to do. And sure. we've gone through life trying to increase that dollar that we basically earn per hour. The wealthy do not put a dollar value on their hour because their hour is priceless. And the other thing that the wealthy do not do is they do not take the dollars that their hour earned them and give it up to somebody else. Like we have been, when you make money, think about it. Everyone listening to this, where do you do, what do you do with your money? You take your money and you give it to what? A traditional bank. And what does the bank do? Do they put it in a little box with your name on it in the back? Absolutely not. They make your money that you worked for go to work for them. And in doing that, they make a spread. They pay you one, they go out and lend it at five, making a 4% spread. They do this over and over and over again. And you allow this to happen. You gave them control of your money. So therefore they make your money work for them just like you should have done in the first place. The wealthy 
said, nope, I'm not doing that. Now, sure, they use traditional banks. They absolutely have to. We all have to. It's just the system that we're in. But we do not have to leave large amounts of money in banks. So then what do we do? Well, we meet a financial advisor like I used to be. And what do we do with our money when we meet them? Give up control. We put money in 401ks. Why? Well, because you've been told to do that. Your grandparents, your mother, everybody told you, put your money in a retirement account so that someday later at 59 and a half or beyond, you can sail off into the sunset on that new sailboat or whatever the hell your dream is and everything will be good. How many people are actually doing that, folks? None. 5% out of, five out of 100 people are the only ones that will be financially secure in the United States. And this is the land of the free, the land of opportunity, the greatest country on earth. And that's what we do. It's failure that we've been taught to do because we gave up control of our money in the first place. The second thing you talked about an abundance mindset. Okay. I, I live in an abundant world. I don't believe I have competitors in what I do because everybody has a problem to solve. And if you change your mindset to, to just one thing, I talked about changing one thing and that's where your money goes first. We'll dive into that in a second because I'll tell you where the wealthy put their money. But the second thing you got to do before you can even change how money works for you, you got to change the way you think about money, the way you think about life, and you got to stop being scarce. You got to stop growing up like I did. Shut the lights off. We're not heating the outside. You got to start thinking that there is an abundance and anything we ask of life, life will give us, but that's cliche. But if we start thinking that way, everything does start to change and everything starts to become abundant, but only when we do one thing and that is solve other people's problems. I can't think of a time except for the last decade of my life or one time in my life, I focused every single day on solving somebody else's problem. Because everybody else, you mentioned it with the Lambos, the Ferraris and everything else. What are we doing when we're fixating on these people on Instagram that are driving the Lamborghini? Folks, they're not driving a Lamborghini, they're renting it, okay? Or they're leasing it. That's not right. their car, they didn't afford that. It's, it's smokes in, smoke and mirrors, but we fixate on that. And then we try to think, how do I get that? How do I have that? What do I want? That's great to have goals. But you then change your mindset to now thinking about you, 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 and solving your problem. Your problem, I want the Lamborghini. I want the bigger house. I want, I want to fly first class or I want to fly in a private jet, whatever. You start thinking about you and you take the focus off the only thing that will ever allow that to happen for you. And that is focus on changing other people's lives by solving other people's problems. Every day of my life, I wake up and I go to sleep and my day is dictated by how many people's lives was I able to change. And it's sometimes Amen. it's just with Amen. a smile. Sometimes yep. it is with knowledge. There's so many ways you can change people's lives and solve problems. And it doesn't have to be the almighty dollar. This thing, this dollar, I'm holding a hundred dollar bill. All this is, is a tool. Just like the shovel in your garage. When you want to build a garden out back, you go grab the tool and that tool is the shovel and a rake. Your money is the tool. And that is the only thing. It is not evil. It is not anything other than a freaking tool that is used to help other people solve problems. And once you realize that the rest is super easy. I just teach you six laws of wealth that have been around since before Christ. You will follow them, follow them. You change where your money goes first and you tap into the most powerful thing in the financial world. And that is called uninterrupted keyword, uninterrupted compound interest. And when you do that, money works for you, not you working for money. Sorry. It was a lot long winded answer. Oh, that's very good. Um, so let's, let's kind of keep, keep on this trend here. Um, what you're saying then is basically people 
you know, mentally they, they start getting selfish and they want, want, want. And the reality is that they're not serving. You know, we talk, the way we talk in our vernacular is, you know, we call it serving for a higher purpose, right? Serving for others, going out there and helping other people, um, you know, solving problems for others. Problem here is this. Um, there is a lot of confusion going on in, in, in the world right now. People don't really understand what going out and solving problems for others is. They don't, they don't quite understand it. They think that they have to get into everybody's you know, uh, you know, world, their, their dark world, and dig deep in there, and then they're going to get lost into this, this rabbit hole. Um, I think what you're saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, is look, isolate problems that people have, go out there and serve and, and help others. Rather than, you know, going, you know, I think this is the way that I look at it. And I interpreted what you said is, listen, all right, the almighty dollar is basically something, sure, it, it, it's going to change the way that you're going to live your life. It's going to help you have financial freedom. It's going to help you put, you know, food on the table. But when you're basically just completely, you know, fixated on people that drive Ferraris and you know fifty million dollar homes, and you get selfish and you forget about helping others and ex you know extending of yourself and doing good, man. We, we call it sincerity of heart. I think you know we as human beings miss that. Do you believe that if someone is actually helping others and helping solve problems out there, that in return they're going to be in a better financial position in the, in the future? Yeah, you know what? I don't even think I just know. And I know because it's a universal law. And I also know that if I go to the top of the building that I'm in right now and I jump off the roof, gravity, which is a law, is going to kick in and things are going to not go so well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm not trying to get all foo fooey about this universal law about giving, but it's a very simple thing. Mm -hmm. If you give, if you solve problems and, and everybody thinks give, oh, I got to have money to give. When I have this, I'll do that. No, no, no. Right, right. Giving can just be like going and finding somebody walking around that isn't smiling, that maybe they're having a bad day. You never know if somebody's hanging on by a thread. You never know where they're at in their life. Just make them smile. Tell them a joke. Like say hello. Like we literally have lost the art of communication since yes. this pandemic started. I don't know if it's the masks just made us think that we don't have to be polite and nice and mm -hmm. just, you know, say hi to people, but like, start there, start there. The masks are off. Say hi, go around, smile. Holy shit. What's so hard about that? Then start finding ways. Let me give you a, a quick thing that I've, I've done that I've trained myself. And this is a habit you have to build. This isn't going to happen naturally. All of you in the mail, you get those envelopes where they're actually asking you for things, right? They want mm -hmm. money. They want a donation. I right. get them every single day. The more you give, the more of them you get. Sure. Every time they, I put them on my desk and I write a check unconditionally. I don't think about it. I don't rationalize it. I don't care who it is. I literally undo it. I take it out. I just check a box. Sometimes it's $5. Sometimes it's $50. Sometimes it's $300. And I write a check. And you know how the dollar amount comes? I just don't think. I just write. Whatever number goes on that thing based on my mood and my feeling right there, I mail that check. And you know what happens every time I seal that envelope? I take the envelope. I lick it. I close it. I smile. And I don't know why. I smile. And then you know what happens? I get a front row parking spot just randomly, like in a parking lot where every parking spot is filled, I get a front row parking spot. Can't explain that one. Then all of a sudden I get a check in the mail. I can't explain that. The check just shows up 
And, you know, it was for something that I did, but maybe I didn't know I was getting paid or I didn't know how much it was going to be. Folks, listen, like when you start thinking too much about this whole thing, it will never happen because you, when you give, you cannot focus or think about the get. It doesn't matter. Nobody's ever counting the gets, but the universe is keeping track and the universe will make sure that no matter what you will continue to get, the more you give, it's just a law. At what point in your life did you realize that this was happening? Like you just too you know, late. Def, give me a defining moment. Give me something that defining moment in your life that, that you were like, damn, you know, maybe this is the, 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 the law that we have to live by. 2014, 2014. It was a period of time where I had gone through 2008, lost it all, climbed all the way back up and built a rental portfolio of 36 properties. And then all of a sudden something happened and I lost all of them. I had to sell every single one of them, many of them at a loss. And it wasn't because of something I did wrong. It was because of outside circumstances that I became the blamer. I started blaming everybody and everything for what happened. At that moment, I also started to look at my life. I went to Thailand for a month just to find myself. And I didn't, I didn't even know what the purpose was. I just felt like I had to get away mm -hmm. and I had to think because sometimes in those moments of quiet, we realize the problem. And the problem was my entire life up to that point, because of scarcity, because of not having, I always wanted nothing wrong with that, but I always kept focusing on me, 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 mm -hmm. the cars, the house, all the things that we just talked about. I spent my entire life focusing on the things I didn't have and focusing on what I had to do to get them. But what I had to do was always help me, 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 me. And then when I lost it all for the second time in my life, I started thinking about it and I started thinking, you know, who am I actually helping? Who am I out there serving? Who am I out there doing nice things for? And the answer was hardly anybody. If the answer probably should have been nobody. At that moment, I realized what the problem was. It didn't change immediately because I didn't build habits, but I started being conscious and thinking about it. And also at that very point, uh, one other drastic thing happened. I had met with one of those wealthy individuals in Salt Lake City over just lunch at a cheesecake factory. And he told me something that will never ever, that perpetually changed my life forever, I guess is the answer. He told me where his money went first. And he told me how he was lending money to me on real estate. And it was something I wasn't ready for because I was 14 years in Wall Street at that point. I thought I knew everything. Again, the problem in America is not what people don't know. It's what they think they know that just ain't so. I thought I knew it just wasn't so. And when I learned that one change on top of the act of giving more and focusing every single day on other people, Mm. listen, like, I don't even know how to say it. Every single thing in my life changed at that moment. And it's all been going up and up and up, but I don't focus on the things ever. That's powerful. Are you a man of faith? Can you hear me? Uh, you cut out there. You said, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Work? I'm sorry. Yeah. Are you a man of faith? Are you, are you a religious man or oh, 100%? Yeah. So I, I live by strict rules that are in the first rule is every morning I wake up. The very first thing I do is drop to my knees and thank God for the day. That's it. I don't uh, go out and preach or do any of that, but I live by absolute faith. I believe that there is a guiding power. And if I just do the things that I'm supposed to do, and again, like I came up with six laws of wealth, if I follow them, which most of them are nothing to do with money, but everything to have has to do with principles in life, uh, then the rest just gets taken care of for you. And I got that, not because I'm so wise or that. I got that by reading a lot of books of how wealthy people got there. And it's the same path for almost all of them when it comes to these six laws. Gotcha. So in closing, what I'm going to have you do, run me through your day. Like from the moment that you wake up in the morning 
where your mind is at and kind of like what your day is made of. So like many of you, my days are chaotic and, and fast paced and full of all sorts of stresses. But I wake up, the first thing I do as my eyes open, I, I think of one thing and that is my process. I get on my knee, I thank God, then I go through the process. But the other thing too that I do every single day is I know where I'm going. So a long time ago, one of my mentors asked me, you know, why do you work so hard? And it was this long back and forth of 15 minutes. And I truly, at the end, realized I had no idea why I was working as hard as I was. Yeah, and he yeah. made me do an exercise. He said, I want you to draw out and write out, and it will take you a long time. I want you to write out your perfect day. Mm -hmm. In other words, when your eyes open, what is it that you see? Who are you next to? What do you smell? What, do you, what is the experience when you wake up? And I do that for every moment of your entire day. Sure, so for sure. 30 days. I wrote that perfect day out. So my day is, is living that perfect day every day. But when I meet those things in that perfect day that I drew out, when I have something that was in there, I up it, I increase it. So my day, as I get up, I do that. I go to the office every day. I'm at the office or I'm on a plane going to another office, which is a stage. And the whole idea is how and who can I help that day? I also am very much on culture. I, I've built companies built on culture solely. So I make sure that my staff understands the vision. I make sure that my staff and everybody that I work with on a day in and day out basis is benefiting from everything that we're doing with solving people's problems. Uh, my days are, are very stressful. There's not a second in my day that isn't taken up with a time block. So we, we very firmly follow a calendar. I don't run my calendar. I have staff that does that because I found that if I run my calendar, I will schedule myself to death. And uh, at the end of the day, I have a little one. I have a 21 month old. So my favorite mm. part of my day is getting home to her, usually too late. She's usually in bathy or getting ready to go to bed. Mm. But I make sure that I put my phone down and I go up there and I just give my undivided attention. And I don't care if it's 10 minutes, an hour, to her. And I, I say two things to her every day. You're beautiful. And I give her some other beautiful compliment. You're beautiful. I love your eyes. They're, they're pretty or something. I make sure and she's 21 months old, like whether she gets it or not, I will do that for the rest of her life so that she always has the confidence that she needs to handle what's going to happen in life. Cause life is going to throw punches at you every day. And, uh, you just got to be able to dodge and take the punches and get back up and fight the next day. Awesome, man. Awesome, Chris. Powerful words, without a doubt. Where can people follow you on uh, social media? Yeah, every single channel, no matter what one you like, I'm on it. And you just go to the Chris Noggle and it's N-A-U-G-L-E. I would say YouTube is my best. I put a lot of time and energy on YouTube. And then my website, chrisnoggle.com. All my content is free. So if you want to learn that one change, there's a 90 minute video on my website watch that video, just like I had to watch it in 2014. And that video will literally show you the path to financial freedom by changing just one thing. Awesome, Chris. Thank you very much for your time and, and uh, very powerful words without a doubt. All right. I'd love to have you back soon, brother. Thank you so much.